As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to this joint podcast of Envious Aliens starring Heather Woodward and Makers um, on Film starring Alexander Kovlach. Um Today we're discussing the latest of X-File uh, TV episodes, which would have been, uh, what season is this, 11? Episode 2? Yeah, we're in 11, episode 2. If you want, go back to um, episode 1. We have a, a review of that and it's in the archive, so just go ahead and check it out. So if you want to go in order, you can just go back and listen to that one first, or you can listen to it afterwards. And uh, what, what, what was last week's episode called? My Struggle 3, I believe. It was the, the weird cliffhanger crazy one that made no sense. And then what was this one called? This. It's T-H-I-S. This one was written by um, Morgan... Freeman? No. <laughs> Glenn Morgan, I think, is his name. Not Morgan Freeman. Can you imagine the X-Files narrated by Morgan Freeman? You would take all, uh, all of Mulder's good lines away. I know, right? Glenn Morgan wrote and directed it. He is usually the writing partner of James Wong. And for those who wonder, hey, that, that guy James Wong, that sounds like a, a name I've heard before in X-Files, and... Morgan, that sounds really familiar too. They wrote a lot of the X-Files. Morgan also wrote a ton of Millennium. Um, oh. I know, right? Millennium was like a a show that I think was before its time. I, I don't know, did you used to watch Millennium? I'm not sure if I actually saw any episodes of Millennium. I know it had Lance Hendrickson in it, and after that, I'm, I don't know if I actually watched them or not. It was pretty kick-ass, and it, it, I think it went for two seasons, or maybe three. I can't remember. Um, I know I'm oh somewhere God. in the second season with it, but it was really, really good, but I think it was just a little before its time. It, it's a very conceptual show. And Anyway, he wrote for Millennium, and then he wrote some of the really, really good episodes of X-Files, the ones that you totally remember, like Squeeze. Ice was the one where, that was kind of a, a takeoff of... Uh, What's that movie called? The one when they're in the snow. The Thing? The Thing, yeah. It's kind of a takeoff of The Thing. 
he did Beyond the Sea, which is where Scully's dad dies. That's that's a big one. EVE, which is like the first time they they really delve into the aliens. Like you almost see one, but you don't. And then Tombs, which is the sequel to Squeeze. So he wrote all the the really big ones, and then uh, he wrote Home. That was the one that got banned. It was only shown on on Fox once. And then it was banned from TV for like a lot of years. Now, I did see it late at night one time. I was watching X-12 at like midnight and I saw it during the reruns. So it's in syndication, but it kind of pushed the boundaries of, of TV with American Horror Story, though. It kind of seems dumb now. <laughs> it, there's nothing really that crazy about it. But what was it? Why did it get banned? Have you seen it? Uh, probably. It's about the family that is incestual and they're keeping the mother uh, underneath the bed and she has no arms and legs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was kind of weird. And they have sex with her because they're trying to keep the family line going. Right. Crazy as fuck. Yeah. But I suppose for the time, we're talking like the early 90s, that was that was pretty risky. I don't even think American Horror Story does a lot of, of incestual stuff, does it? No, Game of Thrones does. This was the first time that was done, so they, they played it once, people freaked out, and that was the end of that. You can only watch it if you bought the, the DVDs. Alright, so the guy who wrote last night's, or the other night's episode, the last episode we've seen so far, is the guy who wrote that crazy one that got banned. Yeah. So how did this uh, episode compare to his other episodes? Honestly, there was something very familiar about this episode. I didn't realize he wrote it, but when I was watching it, I was like, this feels like old X-Files. It definitely had that feeling, too. What about you? How did you feel about it? I kind of felt the same way. I mean, it was cool that they're trying to, to bring back the, uh, uh, what are those guys, the Lone Gunman. They had a little bit of them last season. I think they were in a flashback or something, and I'm, I'm thinking they're going to try to do something with them every season regardless of of them being dead or not or, or whatever it is. They're probably going to do them in flashbacks or, or legacy or something like that. And this was kind of a, of a legacy thing where they're leaving something behind that we have to find. In this case, is their consciousness, or at least the consciousness of uh, Langley. Was it Langley? And just okay. for those who are listening, this is major spoiler territory right now. So yeah. make sure you've watched the episode. <laughs> But yes, it was Lennon. Yeah, but it was a uh, it was a very interesting episode, and, and I've been wondering how they're going to to bring the uh, the Lone Gunman back around because they've been they've been a pretty integral part of the X Files, and and they tried to split them off in their own show, which didn't quite work out, and then they tried to to bring that show to a closer by killing them all off, and then I guess that didn't really seem to work out because now they're trying to scramble to figure out ways to bring them back. I wasn't a big fan of the Lone Gunman series. I, I No, it was dumb. <laughs> I'm trying to think of things about it. It's one of those shows where if it had if it had if it had not been on like regular cable, if it had been on a smaller network, I think it could have gone more seasons, but um it really needed to be flushed out. Like it, it needed a a couple seasons to get it see like Yeah, but it it was also kinda of gimmicky with they had the three lone gunmen, and then they decided to bring in this kind of idiot football coach 
named James Bond, the the ambiguously uh, uh, aligned female. I, I guess she's a co-conspirator as well, but she's sometimes their friend and sometimes not. She has her own agenda. It was, it was like they they were they were doing too many gimmicky things, and I think they were doing kind of like cliche things. Like they they definitely could have done something a little bit more original. I think something just with the lone gunmen themselves and and even have done it a monster of a week movie or TV series and have done, I think had a little bit more success with it. I think everything that they tried throwing it in and trying to make it a little more comedic, I think that really kind of tanked it from the beginning. Yeah, I, I do agree with you, but again, sometimes when you watch a season of a show and you're like, gosh, if they just had one more season, they could have like really, really fleshed out these characters. That's how I felt about it. Cause like, Ah, uh, there was a... Even, like, the X-Files, the first season of the X-Files was not great. No, it was very bland. Uh, there are some good episodes, like the ones I was talking about, the ones that Morgan mm-hmm. wrote. I mean, those are pretty good episodes. They're, yeah. they're standout episodes. But there's that one about the um, the Mars uh, face, um, and the astronauts come back. Right. That one was really, really boring. And then I don't know if it, in today's day and age, if it would have run another season. Or well, that's, gone 11 seasons, for that matter. But that's the funny thing about Fox, is that everything that made Fox good, that that the reason why the, the Fox network exists is because of shows like The X-Files, Star Trek, The Next Generation, the the, the one about the Bundys. Was that Love and Marriage? That was the theme. The Married with Children, Married that's what it was called. Yeah, so, like, had these shows debuted today with the ratings they got back then... Fox would cancel them the next day. The, the the first couple of seasons of the X Files was was a little hard to watch, but you know you you kind of had to suffer through it, and, and and it was thankful you know that you did. Same with with the Next Generation, uh, Star Trek. You had to suffer through some really boring kind of episodes uh, in the first two seasons, and then in the third season is really really they started coming alive and, and figuring out their niche. You, I think you're absolutely right. I think if if that show, if if the X Files were to to premiere today, especially on Fox, and it didn't pull down the ratings of the Super Bowl, Fox would just be all like, "Fuck that noise." But that's, I guess, that's why like the smaller networks are really cool because you don't need those, those bigger ratings. I mean, they're fine yeah. with one or two million people watching it. That's that's really good. And so, I I think if a show like this was put on, you know, maybe FX, it probably would have done very very well. Probably, yeah. I often wonder if Hannibal, if it had gone, out, you know, out of major cable into a network, would have run farther along because it is such a niche show. Yeah, I I think Hannibal, had they gotten to the point just a little bit quicker than what they did, I think they would have. Uh, I think they would have had a little bit more success to it. If they had Green. gotten to the Silence of the Lambs part quicker. Yeah. Yeah, because the next season was going to be the Silence of the Lambs season. Yeah, but but even if they got to the Red Dragon quicker. I think the pacing of that was awesome. I, I felt like I was getting everything that I wanted to get. So yeah, I, 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 I believe had they had they gone into Red Dragon a season sooner, I think that would have really solidified their audience. I mean, I'm not saying that it was a bad show. I'm just saying that I don't think the audience understood it. I think the audience watched it and was wondering why none of it was familiar. And had it 
had they gone into something more familiar quicker, okay. I think the audience would have because stuck around with it. I think the first episode, the first season was part of Red Dragon, like the first episode was. But, but again, yeah, I mean, there there was there was a lot of unfamiliar territory if, if you're not mm-hmm. haven't read the books. And do you think like I mean, even Star Trek: Next Generation, you were talking about an Edge Files. I mean, what, do you think that these would be cult phenomenons like they are now? If they if they use the same rating system, because like Hannibal is a show that that probably should have done better. Pushing Daisies is another one that probably should have done better. There's other shows that I feel that got canceled way too early that might have done better. They're just more niche shows. Even like um, the Chronicles. It was out the uh, Terminator one. Oh, Sarah Connor Chronicles. Sarah, I mean, even that probably should have done better. Yeah, that definitely could have done better, and it's. And and Sarah Connor Chronicles went two seasons, and they ended it on a cliffhanger. And I think they really assumed that they were coming back for a third season. And by all rights, they should have. It was uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles was better than the movies we had been getting after the second one. So, but do you think that X Files would have been a, a cult phenomenon? Yeah, it definitely would not have gone this long. Had it started on a major network, no, it, it would have gone probably. Four seasons, I'd say five at most. Really, when the X-Files, for me, got really good was around late season three, early season four. Like, season four and season five were phenomenal for me. That's, yeah. where, that's where it really, really started to get good. Not the, the writing just seemed more flawless, but everything just sort of came together. I, I think that we, we miss a lot of really good TV because we want instant gratification. You want to believe that audiences are, are more sophisticated now, and, and, and when you watch stuff like Daredevil on uh, on Netflix, you kind of get lulled into that because it, it's a really well-written show, especially the second season when he's up on the rooftop debating with the Punisher, their methodology of, of stopping people. It's done and written and, and acted very well. And then you, you get lulled into this, this sense of, of audiences are sophisticated and you can, you can have shows like this and, and they'll be popular and yada, yada, yada. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
And then you realize, oh, that's right, it's not on a, on a real network, it's on Netflix. And you have to want to watch that show. So you have to actually, you know, look out for it and, and find it and watch it. Unlike, uh, uh, CSI that's been on CBS now or, or ABC now forever and a day. And it's just there and it's comfortable like a, like an old pair of shoes and you just watch it because you've always watched it. Or Law and so, Order or NCIS. How long has so those shows have been on? I don't know, since I was born. It feels like maybe not that long, but. <laughs> kind of, kind of, yeah, it does kind of feel that way. Yeah, I, I have no idea if um, if CSI is still going on, but that went on for like 20 years. Well, that, that has been on forever. Different versions of it, yeah, CSI. Is yeah, but but the original version has been around for a very long time. It, yeah. it outlasted all its uh, all its spinoffs. All its predecessors, yeah. Yeah, uh, Ted Danson was in charge of the of the unit last time. Uh, last time I heard. I think he still is. I don't know. I I don't really watch that show, but it's it is. It's a very formulaic. You, you know what you're getting. Everything, every time, even Criminal Minds. I love Criminal Minds, and I think we're in the eleventh or twelfth season of that. And last season was really, really strange compared to the other seasons. I think they were finally trying to to step out of the box a little bit. Um, but people complained about it. Definitely, they're like, "Why are you all of a sudden changing the formula of the show?" Pretty much, you sit down and you know exactly what you're getting. These shows like the X Files definitely don't have that. Um, even this episode. This is not something you, this is not something that I expected. I was like, what's going on here? All of a sudden, the X-Files, they're now like, what, what did you say? They're superheroes or something like that? You texted me about it. You're like, when did it become a... Well, it, it's, it's Mulder and, and Scully's newfound fighting style. Like, they didn't do this back in the day. Like, it is very influenced heavily by superhero movies of today. And and I said that, that Mulder adopted this very Marvel Comics fighting style. It's very quick cuts. It's it's very fast-paced. I mean, Scully slides under a table and flips it over. And I'm just like, when did they start doing that? Like, that, that would never have been in the old X-Files, which is kind of funny because that's the kind of thing Fox would be totally, we need to put this in the X-Files. Have a slide under the table and, and, and flip it over and start blasting away. I don't, I don't remember an episode. Um, they did a lot of chasing. I know that, like, right. season seven, season eight, they did a lot of chasing, a lot of, yeah. you know, sprawling in, you know, the back, <laughs> the back hills of Arizona, you know, New Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they they did a lot of that. They did some some gunplay, but this is this is really stepping it up a notch, especially with them being as old as they are. It's like they they shouldn't be getting more proficient in their fighting style. They should be getting a little bit less. But it's like, uh, you know, uh, I'm half expecting before the end of this, uh, before the end of this season to see Mulder and Scully in a Captain America and Black Widow outfit for, for no real reason other than because that's kind of what their fighting style is right now. Like they'll be, They'll be asked to come to a to a Halloween party or something, and they'll show up in those outfits, and then they'll actually start, you know, fighting with somebody in those outfits. I didn't see it like that. I saw it as kind of old hat. They've been out of the, you know, they've been out of the X Files since 2002. They've done other things, but they've been running from the law so much, and they've been running from the FBI that it's kind of their their default is to kind of go into this defensive posture 
So it's kind of like, oh, we're doing this again kind of thing. I, I, I can see it to some extent, but it's it's just a little more action hero movie than it was in the beginning. Yeah, they definitely like, stepped it up a notch. They definitely yeah. Yeah, it, it, I found it to be very refreshing, though. I was like, oh, that's kick ass. Like, the other thing, too, that I, I like, and this goes back, you listen to the, our uh, episode one podcast, as you hear about the whole rape culture thing. But the one thing that I did like about this episode was that Scully was right in there. Like, there was no difference in in how both of them fought. Oh, no. She was no, right there. You know? Yeah, yeah, she's putting just as many knees to people's heads as, as foxes. Yeah, they're definitely yeah. a team, and they definitely were working together. I did like that aspect of it too. Like the first five minutes of the show are pretty cool. It's like a it's like a, a movie almost. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and and it is very realistic for her to like call out. You know, there's one more in the house. He's out of ammo, or he's reloading, or whatever. So you know, their their communication skills in their in their oh shit moments is is pretty good. Yeah, because they're, they're definitely, you can tell they've been working together a long time because they, they just have it down. Right. Where is he? What's going on? Like, I don't know. It, but again, it felt to me like they were just going back into old roles, which I really liked. I liked that idea of, of now that we're not chasing monsters, hey, we actually are kick-ass FBI. Oh, yeah. Oh, at the end, too, where they're like, she breaks the computer and, you know, and then they're, like, going through protocol. This is what we're going to do. We're going to call this person and do this. It was all very by the book, very protocol. And I thought that was cool, too, because you're, you're seeing them go back into FBI mode. It, it actually almost would have been satisfying to see a season of them doing their thing, not being part of the FBI, instead of being brought back immediately into the fold. But they would have been either, like, you know, outside consultants like they were in the movies or just stumble upon their own thing, you know, or Fox, you know, writing his book or whatever and getting material for that. Yeah, before they got, you know, re uh re brought into the into the FBI and into the full kind of him making a name for himself and then the FBI like, we gotta kinda capture this. We gotta kind of, you know, rein this in. For those who um maybe haven't watched it or or forgot what it was about, I'll just do a little just a synopsis or a recap of it. Basically Langley shows up on Mulder's phone. He says something about uh, they know and then these people break into Mulder's house and try to kill them. He, he asks if he's dead. And then oh, he asks, yeah. if I am they know and they know that I know. So this kind of kicks off this whole um, adventure for them and they run into Skinner who we don't know if he's good or bad. And I really like that they played that out too where they they meet Skinner in the forest. And Skinner is like, how did we get here? Because they really don't trust Skinner, but from... So that makes me think that the last episode really happened because they're like, we don't trust you. We don't know if we trust you. And he's like, get in the car, and they just down there. Like, yeah, we're not getting in the car. We're not dumb. Well, it, it is very cool that it's it's... Both of them deciding not to trust him, not just Mulder. Again, like I said last week, I think Mitch Pelleggi's character... Uh, Skinner. Skinner, thank you. I think Skinner is is very lawful neutral. I think that despite what happens, he's going to be the guy who is like, you know, 
this is the law, this is what has to happen. I'm not, you know, diverting from that path. And I think it's just, you know, we they finally threw something at him that could cause him to question that or to, or that's something that could make him, you know, rethink his, his outlook on everything. And I think, and I think that's the only reason why we as the audience question it because they finally found something that they can, they can hold over him. And we really don't know if he's working with the cigarette smoking man, but, but I think this is a really cool episode too because later on in the episode they bring this up and I, I think it's really cool. Um, they go on this adventure and they have to like, they, they go to the, they go to the cemetery and they, they, uh, they find clues basically and then they're kind of on the run. And then they need to get into the X-Files so they have to run into Skinner again because he's the only one they know. Uh, Skinner brings up a really good point, which is, this is, we're not just running, there's not just one agency anymore. There's no, there's no, uh, deep pro anymore. It's not just one agency, you know, that's secret. We have, right. now we have many agencies and they're all working with each other and against each other at the same time. This is a different, like what you said about him being lawfully neutral is, is basically what you said is that. Yeah. There's no good or bad anymore. I forgot about that. And, and maybe that's a ruse too. That, you know, trust me through default instead of, you know, trust me through anything else. I don't think it's a default. I think it's just, you know, we ended in, in 2002. We, we started the X-Files in 1989, 90, around there. I don't know. Something like that, yeah. It was a 90, it was like between 89, 91. I can't remember the exact date. For those who know, great. Um, put it in the comments. But, um, that's <laughs> around that time period, though. Uh, big shoulder pads were still popular. Then, you know, there was just like this, this idea of Deep Throat, you know, this, he was the, you know, the guy who, who the whistleblower. Is, yeah, he's the whistleblower, basically, but we're, we're, we're going against this one faction of, of the government, this super secret thing. Yeah. And, I don't know, I think they're really tr- trying to update the X-Files and say, hey, look, the past is the past. We, we don't we don't live by those rules anymore. It's a lot more complicated now. We aren't we aren't just going against the you know the the dark cloak cigarette smoking man who's running running the show anymore. And then there's no more deep throats who are just whistleblowers. It's not like that. There's there's many whistleblowers all at the same time. You know, so choose your battles basically. Which. Right. Strangely, I feel, is the same message that, I know I keep going back to this, but I keep some parallels, but that is the message in the new Star Wars, too. Uh, there's no right and wrong. We have a lot of gray areas here. True, true. That was really, really, you know, put to point with that character that I can't remember his name. Which character? Uh, Benicio Del Toro's character. Oh, DJ? DJ, thank you. I don't know why I can't remember his name. Plainest of all names. I know, right? That's why I can't remember it. But he kind of has that that same explanation, which is, hey, the people that are selling... Empire weapons? The Empire weapons are the same people that are selling to you. Yeah. You know, there's no good or bad anymore. Yeah, I can see that. No, that is that is definitely what's going on here, and it is definitely a different world than from when we ended the X-Files, because it was right before 9-11 that the X-Files ended, wasn't it? Uh, 9-11 was in... September 2001. Shortly after. So they they kind of got out at a good time. It was right before everything really went crazy with the world. And if you think, you know, Fox was all into conspiracy theories then, 
That would have been even worse. The whole zeitgeist thing and everything. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, 2000. When did X-Files start and end? December 10th, 1993 to May 19th, 2002. Alright, so yeah, it was a little bit after 9-11. But yeah, that was... It started right after I got out of high school. That makes sense, actually. Yeah, it was a different time, definitely. I mean, after 9-11, things definitely did change in in a huge dramatic way. But one of the other things that I really like about this episode, too, is that they, they get this chip, and they they get this video, and then they need to go back to one of their X-Files to find out the information from it, because it doesn't go back to an episode, per se, but it, it does go back to the lone gunman. And so they have to go back, and they need to get back into the X-Files, but they can't get into the X-Files because they're in their office and they no longer work there and so they they go and they they spook <laughs> a skinner and they're like hey we need to get into the x-files and he's like you don't need to go and to your office to do that they're all <laughs> on the internet they're all in a file the documented i thought that was really cool too they, they updated it everybody has access to it but the other thing too that i thought was really interesting is, is they talk about how As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. government has accepted the X-Files and everybody's using them to uh, correlate data. Yeah, there's that. Um, I, I find it funny that Fox did not realize that his beloved X-Files were out on the Internet. He seems to know everything else about them. And, and for them to have actually been public domain for a minute. I mean, they've been, you know, reverted back to the FBI, but still, they were, they were public domain for a minute, and everybody had access to them, and I'm surprised he didn't know that and downloaded all and everything. I definitely think that's funny, but again, you got to remember from the movies, we find out, especially from the, the last movie, we find out he, that he's really been hiding out in the woods, like literally, in a log cabin kind of deal, and he's been clipping newspaper articles, so... He he's not really up and up on the, uh, you know, the internet. True, but you know, where else is he getting those news articles? That's true. That's that's true. I I just um, I could totally see how he would miss that. 
Yeah. Because he's still thinking, he's still thinking back in 2002, the way things were back then, where the X-Files are this, goodness gracious, the, you know, half of the episodes are about how the, the FBI is, is telling them that, that what they're doing is shit and that it doesn't exist. So he's still kind of got that mindset. Yeah, this is true. I just find it interesting that other organizations were interested in that, which probably means that he will be getting calls from other other branches, like CIA or NSA or, or something like that, to, that, that they'll have their own version of the X-Files, and then he'll, they'll start sucking him into it as well. What did you think of um, Barbara Hershey and this idea of consciousness? Is, uh, was she the, uh, the professor? No, that's the dark-haired lady that, that the, um, when they get captured. It's interesting, and I've seen other movies uh, uh, based on this concept. Um, there was a Johnny Depp movie that was kind of weird. That was based on this whole concept of uploading your consciousness into a uh, into a computer. I I think it gets a little fantastic when they start saying that you know they have basically everybody's consciousness. If you've used a phone, then we've downloaded a little bit of your brain every time. Like I don't I don't really think that's how that works. But that's fine. I mean, it's akin to the reason why we keep the penny in circulation is so we can get everybody's DNA on file. And like, I don't really think that's how that works either because you have to give the penny to somebody, get their DNA all over it, and then somehow get the penny back from them and then label the DNA who that is. Otherwise, you're just going to have pennies with a bunch of random DNA that you don't know who they belong to. Well, that's one of the things some people don't want to do this DNA test because they think that they're taking the DNA and cataloging it. Oh, like uh, like those uh, heritage DNA tests? Yeah, the 23andMe and all those. Yeah, there was a. I was watching a Future Man, and that's one of the one of the things. Uh, it's a comedy. This faction from the future, they're kind of like the the rebellion. Send back a, a video game to the past, and they use it as a recruiting tool. Whoever can finish the game will be their savior. And then once the game is finished, then they come back and they recruit the person. The, the thing is that you don't get a, a person who's using this as a fight simulator who's, you know, trying to better themselves as a, as a fighter. You get a person who's a gamer who's completely weak and, and, and using it as escapism. You know, there's that whole thing that they have to get over. But, but one of the people from the future, the woman from the future, gets explained to what the whole uh, uh, DNA thing is and how she could find, you know, her ancestry and go back hundreds of years. And she starts delving into it, and it's a whole big mess, because then that's how the bad guys are able to track them, but through her DNA that she sent through the uh, through the mail. Right. And so people yeah. think that they're, they're doing, cataloging all the DNA. Well, seriously, if that's how they're going to do, if, if they were going to do DNA collection, they would really do it through some sort of, of medical facility. Uh, everything else seems very random and very, you know, haphazard. Because you can't really expect, you know, these DNA places to to foster enough people to volunteer their DNA. And, yeah, it, maybe there's enough, you know, you can't really expect it to, to be the people that you're looking for. It's the people that you want to have DNA of. It's not like, you know... There's going to be a lot of guys out there like 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 Heisenberg from from Breaking Bad who are going to be putting their DNA on file, trying to figure out where they come from, whilst making a meth empire. I think those are the kind of it's either you're you're trying to figure out where you come from or you're making a meth empire. I don't think you're doing both. I, I don't think that the concept of doing 
this as a way of keeping your DNA on file is a logical one. Because it just seems like that would be the kind of thing that would not work out well for the government. They'd have all the people who they don't care about on file. Yeah, I mean, this idea of consciousness, like like them storing consciousness where every time you use your phone, they're taking a little bit of your consciousness and then eventually putting it all together. See, even even that makes more sense because if... if if you think about DNA in and of itself, it's just it's like a fingerprint. A fingerprint is completely useless until you know whose fingerprint that belongs to. And if this government has a secret database of DNA, then it's completely useless because now we have all this DNA out there that nobody knows there's a secret database of DNA to try to match it up to to figure out who these people are. So it's like DNA in and of itself is just completely useless until you have something to compare it to or a person to, to label it as. So the, the, the mind thing on the phone could be a little more logical in the fact that, you know, if somebody's doing something bad or if you're trying to keep tabs on people, you have parts of their minds so you can kind of see how they work so you can kind of uh, figure out what their next move is going to be. So I think that makes a little bit more sense. But still. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I do. I think that Langley's... Uh version of his, you know, Valhalla, this simulation virtual heaven, or it's just too perfect. It's too easy and too perfect, and it's too boring, and it's Steve Jobs and Michael Crichton have been reduced to digital slaves, or have been reduced yeah. to to cogs in the wheel. And so it's kind of funny, because I don't think that Langley's version of virtual heaven is the same as other people's version. I think everybody has their own version of heaven, but it's so interesting because it's, it's kind of saying that you think you want to go to heaven, but heaven is probably really boring. It's really boring when you get everything that you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think his his version of heaven just so happens coincidentally to be what's going on here. Like they would if uh, if the earth was going to be destroyed, they would get all the, the, the talented and, and intelligent people off the planet first. And leave, you know, the dumb people who, who really don't have anything going on for them, leave them behind. So I think this is a virtual version of this, that they would, you know, take everybody's mind and whoever that, that they can use in their thick tank they will use, and whoever they can't use, they'll just dis- discard by the wayside. I, I guess my thing is I'm not in entirely sure why they need to get rid of this. Unless they're turning people into virtual slaves. Yeah, that, that's what they were saying with, uh, Langley was saying is that he's, he's a slave, that he's there to, to work out whatever problems they have. They're there to figure them out and make them work. So it's kind of like here you get everything that you ever wanted or ever desired, but you have to do these, these things that you are a virtual slave. Cause that's the part that I really didn't get. Cause I was like, who cares if they have everybody's consciousness on his server, so what? Like, I, I'm like, I don't really have a problem with that. <laughs> Yeah, because they're actually making them do stuff. Because the idea is, hey, you can live forever. And I'm like, but is that really living forever? I don't know. Well, I mean, we've had this discussion before. I think your soul is just your consciousness because when you when you have your out-of-body experience and you're floating above your, your body and you look down and you see it, it's still your consciousness that's seeing it and processing it all. So kind of in a way, that would be stealing your soul. Or at least, I guess, cloning it and keeping a version of your soul here on Earth. Yeah, and it's it's just, it felt a little black mirror to me in this episode. I was like, ooh, this feels like the whole idea, like, is technology taking over, like, consciousness versus technology, or 
the humanity versus technology kind of thing. And, and with that movie that I hated so much, that Machina movie. Ex Machina? I hated that movie. Well, that was yeah. trying to do. Yeah. But did not do well, and I do not know why people liked that movie so much, because it was so trite. And, yeah. Very misogynistic, too. Yes, it was. But that was, I think, also kind of part of the point of it. It was, he created, you know, like God created women of himself, and then, you know, woman got him in trouble. So, moral of the story, keep the woman down. Maybe. Or maybe, uh... What I got out of that is don't create things you don't know anything about. <laughs> don't tamper in God's domain. <laughs> well, no, it's more like like uh, don't underestimate women. People totally use it. Well, totally use whatever they can against you, and you're not going to see it coming because you're thinking too much with your dick and not giving them credit. No, I'm I'm pretty sure that was to some degree the the moral of the story because she did have no other recourse but then to use her, her feminine wiles on what's-his-face to, to manipulate him, to get him to let her go. She could leave the compound because she was essentially a prisoner there, but in the interim, she prisoned everyone else there, which was kind of a shitty thing for her to do. And justifies me, so, you know, it's very Machiavellian. So, like, I, I'm seeing those themes of Black Mirror, the, the humanity thing, that all these, like, these more, you know... Millennium or after the millennium themes coming into this episode, and I felt like season ten of the Exiles kind of felt like a a wink and a nod, like hey, we're still here. And this episode, I mean, this season kind of feels like it's updated the Exiles. I'm still gonna have to to see a little bit more of it uh, this season, but yeah, they they definitely had some fun last season. I think uh, I think there was some. There was some joking around. There was some happy-to-be-back kind of thing. There was, you know, kind of a first-day-of-school uh, kind of mentality going on with, with Season 10 that I think that hopefully that they're over and uh, and we'll move on from there and, and they'll be able to move on from there and, and, and do something a little bit more old-school. Like, like, I think you're right. I think this episode had a very old-school feeling to it, but this felt like something that they would have done back before their huge hiatus or before their movies or anything. And and I'm hoping that they do more of this kind of stuff. Last year, there were a few episodes where I felt like, oh, I'm definitely in the X-Files. But then there were a few episodes where I was like, oh, I don't know about this. You could, you could feel that the writers weren't comfortable with the story. Or maybe they just didn't know where to go with it. Or maybe it just felt more like a revival than it was an actual show. I don't mm-hmm. know. There was something well, It wasn't well, terrible. It just was a little off. What was the, how much time has passed between the last official episode and the first episode of season 10? 2002 was the last episode. It said May 2002. And mm-hmm. then January 2016? Season, or episode 1 of season 10 aired on January 23rd, 2016. Okay, so, 2000, so January 2016, so 2002 to 2016. So about 2015, because, you know, they had to write the episodes and everything and bring everybody back. So 2002 to 2015, it's going to take them a minute to, to get back into into their into their groove again. I mean, there was only six episodes of, of last season, but it did it did have this, that kind of feel. They're definitely starting this season off with a bang, and they're just, like, going right into it, and it, it just feels a lot more... 
consolidated as long as I can think of. Um, it, it definitely, ha- again, has an old feel to it. And e- even though this was like a monster of the week, it still carried over from, from the last episode, and it did deal with something that, that is, is very, um, relevant to today's time, because we really, we really do have this controversy going on about whether or not technology is taking over. I mean, this is the first generation that had cell phones as kids. Our kids are the first ones that, that have had that. So things are definitely really different because of that. Because when did you get your first cell phone? It was in the late 90s. It was after after 94 and all that. Probably like 97, 98, something like that. I think I got mine after that. It was before the turn of the century, I know that. And and now everybody has phones. It's like a thing. And I remember back then, it was like not everybody had phones. Like, if you could afford a phone, you got a phone. And it was prepaid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because not everybody had a phone because they were really expensive. My son got his first cell phone when he was 10. He's never been without a computer, or he's never been without a... He doesn't know what life is like without a computer. Yeah, maybe he needs to. (laughs) But what I'm trying to say here is that, like, I didn't have a computer until I was in my late 20s. I would have to go to the... Library? Library, yeah, to the computer, or um, I would have to go to the college. Right. To use the computer. And go to the computer lab. What about you? No, there was that. There's a lot of that going on too. the The first family computer that we got though was, uh, I think, it was also in the '90s. No, it was earlier than that. It was in the '80s. It was one of those ones with the big uh, dual floppy drives. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We got it off of. Uh, can't even tell you what what kind it was. We got it off of uh, off of the home shopping network, I think. Yeah, see, you remember family computers? We don't have family computers anymore. Everybody just has their own computer. Or yeah. everybody has a laptop or a, a tablet. Yeah. It's such a different thing. I mean, I mean, some people have still have family computers, but not really. Not like they used to. Like, you used to buy one big computer, then everybody would fight over who was going to use it. Yeah. And we did not have, like, direct access to the Internet either. No, no, we didn't either at at first. It wasn't until after my dad died that we got, that I was actually, you know, got something like AOL or... So that was in your late 20s then? Yeah, mid to late 20s. See, that's what I'm talking about. So this this generation, like the millennials are the first generation that don't know what life is without technology. They have no concept of it. And so I think this episode really kind of played into that. Okay, so here's a question for you. If if you had the choice to put your consciousness in a computer, would you? I don't know. That's that's a very good question. Because I don't I don't inherently see anything wrong with it. And I wouldn't like stop anybody from trying to do it. But on the other hand, I don't I'm not sure I would uh I would see the purpose in it. Then do we is that like what the matrix is essentially? I mean is that where we're headed? I mean, I think that's kind of what I felt like the episode was saying. It was like, hey, we're all headed into the Matrix. Yeah, it could very well be. I mean, that is what the Matrix was kind of all about. Well, it was something that the machine set up to keep the, the the humans nullified while they, you know, suck all their energy off of them. 
that could definitely be, be the, the beginning of, of the uh, of the Matrix or of the robot revolution. Well, because if you think about it, if, if you put your consciousness into a machine, to, you know, a computer, it's just a matter of time before, you know, robotics becomes perfected and then they start putting your consciousness into a robot. And then, you know, robot slaves are now people's consciousness. And then slavery is all over again. And you saw how well that worked out for humanity the first time around. <laughs> right. <laughs> so imagine now, you know, robot slaves with human consciousness. I think with, um, in our culture or what we've seen from movies is that consciousness plus technology equals slavery. I mean, that, I think that's our that's what we see all the time because like movies like The Matrix or, or that um, the movie with uh, Johnny Depp that could have been good but wasn't but I don't know if that's a reality maybe that why don't we trust technology I mean we're the ones that made technology to aid us and then but then we are so afraid of the thing that we created I don't I don't like when I saw that this episode I was like hmm, who cares if they're putting consciousness in a computer okay like, I felt very neutral about it. But I, I think we we tend to fear that which we do not know. It's like how American horror films take place in the woods and Japanese horror films take place in the city. It's kind of, of what our, what, maybe not the opposite of what our values are, but what we find comfortable. We don't find the woods comfortable here in America. We find city life comfortable or suburban life comfortable, but we don't find, you know, you know, we think of woods as like, you know, Manton family and, and, and Jason Voorhees and, and the Unabomber and just crazy people. We don't, we don't see those kinds of things as, as a viable way of life. So that's why horror films prey on that. And I think this is another one of those things that regardless of what it would actually be, and, and I seriously doubt it would go right to slavery. If, if robots and, and everything were, were like that. But on the other hand, that's our fear. Our fear is that we're going to create this thing. It's going to gain consciousness, see us as a threat, and then, you know, try to, to extinguish us. And I think that's just why we have stories like that, because that's the fear that we have about those things. I agree with you. And I would take it one step further and say that aren't we just really afraid of ourselves because you were talking about slavery, like digital slavery, essentially. And digital slavery would would be a, a man-made thing. It would be humans taking advantage of it. For me, I would be like, why are we afraid of the machines? I'd be more afraid of the people with the machines and what their intentions were. Yeah. It's well, ultimate, ultimately, if you if you watch, like... Any kind of TV show about, uh, about zombies, which is, you know, one of those things why I like the, the Walking Dead, is because that's kind of what it's about. It's about how, no matter how good or bad our situation is, humanity always makes it worse. It's never, you know, humanity banding together to vanquish this other foe. It's people trying to survive and then other people trying to take away what those survivors have. So it, it is always about how humanity is just, you know, trying to be bigger dicks than, than everybody else. Yeah, the selfishness or, or the one person's intentions taking over because they're self-involved and they're not thinking about the, the long-term effect. Right. 
overall, what did you think of this episode? Where, where would you score it from 1 to 10? I think it's a good solid 8. I think uh, definitely uh, a throwback to how the X-Files felt before. I think, you know, they modernized it a little bit. They they did some other stuff to it. So it's not like, it's not definitely not a 10, but I think it's a good solid 8. I think it's a good solid attempt. And if if the rest of the season follows suit like this, I think it's going to be a better season than the last one. Definitely. I feel the same way. I was going to say a solid 8, too. I definitely lose me confused, though, because last week's episode was so freaking confusing to me. I was I was like, so, like, it literally was like, I have to go take a nap. I, I, this, I'm over this. Not in a bad way, but because so much happened in there, it was so tense. This one, I felt like I could sit and watch it and take it in, and it was funny. There were some really, really funny moments, like, um, you know, Jillian Anderson was in the Hannibal series, and so they kind of, you know, nodded to that. What was the nod to that? I missed that. Scott, they're trying to get into that building, and she's pretending that that Mulder is a... Uh, Her prisoner? A prisoner, and she says something like, no, I'm not going to handcuff this guy. He's like a little son of the lambs kind of guy. And Mulder does the tongue thing. He goes, like that. Uh, yeah, I totally missed that. Then I, I, I remember seeing it. I just I didn't catch it. The first time around, that that was a, a nod to that. Yeah, and it was really funny to me because I'm like, oh my god, Julian Anderson just got done doing Hannibal. So they put that in there as like a nod to her. Um, also, they bring in Deep Throat, which I thought was really, really cool to, to uh, you know, bring it back around. Yeah. You know, the lone gunman, again, another like, I, I think too, like bringing in the whole Deep Throat character or Amuse characters because then he was the other guy too. So there was the first deep throat, and then there was the second deep throat. Overall, I thought it was really cool how they brought him in, back into the mythos, and then they redefined him with Skinner, saying, hey, deep throat would not exist anymore, because right. we have all these other things going on. Um, and so they, they kind of honored him, but then reinvented him, which I thought was really, really cool. Also, I like I just really liked how, you know, they're eating the muffin while they're, you know, in an internet cafe. Um, and they just, they almost seem too comfortable being on the run. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I just kind of like that play that they have, because they're just like, okay, another day, hold me on again. No, yeah, I know what you're saying. That, that's right, they did do that little uh, uh, thing about how good that muffin was. I can't wait for next week to see how this all works out. I'm kind of excited about it. I, I guess we will wait until Wednesday and see what the next episode has in store for us. We'll see. We'll see how this all works out, and hopefully it'll keep this momentum and just keep being really, really good. And i, I got to tell you, I'm not used to watching shows like this anymore, waiting week to week to, to watch it. It's like, ugh, just do the next episode already. Yeah, that's true. We get. I'm very Netflixy. Yeah, exactly. It is. What I usually do is I, I watch them, and then I'll just go back and rewatch the whole series again. Probably watch season 10 and then watch season 11, and then it'll make less sense. <laughs> but it does now. <laughs> but Probably, yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll catch all the things that you've missed before. Yeah. Let us know what you thought of the latest episode of The X-Files, or what you thought of the last episode, or season 10. 
or what you think is going to happen in season 11 or what we, you would like to happen. I am really hoping that they go full forward with the William thing and we actually get to meet him. I, I hope we see him before the end of the season. I hope we get a, uh, a run up to, to, to actually, you know, finding him and stuff instead of just it being bookends. Yeah, I'm hoping for a, a full William episode. That's what my wish list is. That would be nice too, yeah. Yeah, so let us know what, what you think. If you're listening to this on iTunes and you found us through iTunes, make sure to, to subscribe to us and uh, rate us and give us a review. The more reviews we get, the higher up we are in the algorithm and the more people see it. And so... And the more celebrities' conscience we can grab and put into our computers. Yes, that's true. And, you know, we can take over the world with our supercomputer and all your consciousness. Yes. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.